Mesdames et messieurs, pour votre sécurité, veuillez écouter attentivement l'annonce qui va suivre. Vous trouverez les consignes d'urgence affichées au poste de rassemblement. Hearing French spoken on an announcement means that you are on board a ferry with me, Stevie and Zog. And we're on our way to the 2017 Le Mans 24 Hours. Bonjour et bienvenue au Gareth Jones sur la Velocité. <laughs> Hiya, welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed. I'm Gareth, he's Zog. Hello. And he's Stevie. Hello. And welcome aboard a rather comfortable way of travelling to the Le Mans 24 hours. We have chosen a rather nice vehicle for the trip this year. They're always nice vehicles. But this year we've got something that's quite luxurious, I would say. It's a Jaguar. It's a Jaguar XJ. It's a Jaguar XJR. It's a Jaguar XJR Sport turbo V6 with 300 brake horsepower which I set off from my home in North London this morning at about six o'clock. Current time is 3.30 local time so 2.30 UK time and we are careering across northern France heading south and west towards Le Mans. I've had a spell at the wheel of the car. Zog is yet to drive but the man who's in charge at the moment who is on his third trip to Le Mans is your friend of mine Stevie Sackin. Stevie how are you liking the Jaguar? Very nice indeed so far thank you. It's um, beautiful beautiful car so comfortable so smooth and very very powerful. It is quite healthily powerful. When I first got in the car, the first thing I noticed was its urgency on the getaway. You know, you touch the throttle and it wants to do 40 as soon as you touch the pedal. So you have to be a little circumspect. But at any speed, it feels as though there's an awful lot more to be had. Yeah. Now, Stevie's no stranger to driving large, heavy, luxurious vehicles. Is car of choice is one of my favourites the Mercedes-Benz R-Class you've got the R320 haven't you I do and it's a beautiful car but I mean it's a beautiful people carrier this is a very very different beast it's the luxury and, and comfort is really special uh, it's nice to hear you say that because you know you think of luxury and comfort and you think of Mercedes and you think of Rolls Royce and Bentley it's good that Jaguar can deliver something of that sort of higher echelon that's good to hear what well, first thing you noticed then Stevie when you got in it it felt very solid on the road very sure-footed Zog said and I think that's right instantly I felt that the thing was very very well just comfortable on the road and the power immediately to get up to whatever speed I wanted there was a truck coming towards us from behind and, and I had no concerns that I was just going to pull onto the road ahead of him really really very very nice what do they say power in reserve that's what they say don't they that's exactly what it's got yeah Stevie's been sitting in the back for the first part of the journey he's now driving and I'm sitting in the back seat Zog's in the front as wingman and Stevie kept saying you know it's really nice back here there's loads of legroom and that rear seat is really comfy and then I pointed out to Stevie that this car comes with all sorts of wonderful accessories things like ventilated seating so rather than just heated seating you can set the temperature to be cool underneath your bum So if you're old and suffer from hemorrhoids, it's a very pleasant thing indeed. <laughs> Zog, how are you doing in the front? You liking the jerk? I've had minutes of pleasure. I, I'm not <laughs> kidding you. Simply playing with the motion-sensing switch for the glove compartment. You don't even have to touch it. You just have to bring your finger near to it and pop. There it goes. You like okay, that, don't you? Yeah, do it again. Here we go. Zog's playing a game. He's playing a game of proximity fun here, where he's holding his finger, I don't know, about 10 centimeters away from the sensor and gently moving it towards until it pops. Nice fun. It's, it's even better when you kind of do a little make it so. Yeah, oh, yes, oh, yes. Good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, we like it. And I'm glad Zog likes it because 
you're the reason we're travelling in this this year and not a Ford Ranger pickup. I'm very happy to take credit for it. Uh, <laughs> given that I did absolutely nothing at all to secure this car, other than suggesting that driving in, you know, some kind of reasonably swift sports car or at least a sporting mark would be better than a pickup. I tend to go for performance over practicality. Yeah. But this actually has, you know, the right blend. With the small sacrifice of not packing the biggest tent that Gareth has, <laughs> we've been able to fit everything in the car. So, you know... It's true. It's a perfect ride. There have been compromises. You know, we've been coming to Le Mans for, oh, 13 years, or something like that Getting now. on for. Getting yeah, on for. yeah. And over the years, you know, every time you go to Le Mans next year you think oh bring chairs next year or bring a table or bring two cooking rings or bring a bigger tent or we'll bring a toilet tent or you know we haven't got a toilet tent but you just keep adding stuff and so your needs get greater and last year we came in a lovely Nissan Navara pickup I say lovely because it was generous in space and as you know space is the ultimate luxury so we were able to take absolutely everything and had a lovely old time now to fit everything in this car has been a little bit of a struggle. It's been a, a number of compromises. I've packed half the amount of clothes I normally bring. We haven't brought any chairs. We haven't brought what I call the kitchen, this sort of stand-up thing that you cook on. We haven't brought a table. But the plan is to buy three small chairs as we approach Le Mans from one of the many French decathlons. And to buy three air beds because we couldn't even fit in our nice self-inflating mattresses which are essential for good night's sleep especially when you've got a bad back like me but we are going to grab a couple of cheap and filthy bits as we approach and that's about the only compromise we made really we managed to cram everything into the boot just about anything else is in the back seat there's only three of us traveling so 40 percent of the back seat is turned over to passenger space 60 percent is turned over to bags of well mainly electronic equipment you know what we're like we all travel with too much stuff a couple of disappointments with this car the, the first one was that the rear seat doesn't fold down i didn't remember that i was pretty sure when we had an xj ooh, about seven years ago on gareth jones on speed that the rear seat did fold down so i thought that would be useful for bringing long stuff like european flags and stuff which i like to fly so some of that couldn't fit in neither does it have what they call the ski slot if you fold down the center armrest there's usually a gap which allows you to reach into the boot and put long objects through it doesn't have that either so i was a bit miffed about that but i was most miffed about the fact that you can't fit a top box to this car i've got a fairly sophisticated very multi-purpose set of roof bars aerodynamic roof bars which will go on pretty much any car with all the adapters i've got but they simply won't fit on this because of the way that the door line meets the roof of the car there is no way you can mount roof bars on this car and carry a top box so that meant the chairs and all that stuff couldn't come with us but i'm willing to make that sacrifice because it is a delicious car to travel in the ride is really lovely and it's you know it's airy and swift and a Le Mans winning mark and as we were discussing earlier on before we started recording Jaguar have won Le Mans seven times late 80s and middle 50s part of the deal of going to Le Mans as you know for Gareth Jones on speed is to travel in a car which has either raced at Le Mans or preferably has won at Le Mans so considering the luxury that we're travelling in I'd say we won Le Mans this year agreed boys oh yeah definitely the reassuring sound of endurance racing cars the soundtrack to the weekend at Le Mans hello again we've arrived what a great journey it was unbelievably easy this year very often when you come to Le Mans you spend pretty much as long doing the last 10 miles as you approach the circuit 
as you do the rest of the journey but we breezed here today somewhat inexplicably we're now installed at the campsite as usual the Porsche curves we are adjacent to the circuit I started recording this piece by our tent and in the time it has taken me to tell you this I've walked up to the viewing point right next to the circuit at the Porsche curves the new slightly wider Porsche curves with an increased gravel trap for safety because Porsche curves is a fairly dangerous place to go through at pace at the sort of pace that the cars are doing at the moment we've been listening to Radio Le Mans and uh, we've already heard that a record has been broken by one of the Toyotas already the fastest ever lap of the Circuit de la Sarthe, which I believe was 3 minutes 14, is that right, if memory serves? Which is quite something. The wind is blowing, the mood is good, and I'm surrounded by people like me, wearing shorts and t-shirts with cameras, headphones on, here for exactly the same reason as me, not just to eat curry and make podcasts. <laughs> which is also what I'm doing, but to enjoy racing cars. Um, in Curiously, no cars have come round. I'm wondering if there's been a red flag. I haven't got my radio on at the moment, so I'm not listening to the commentary, so it's difficult to know what's happening, but the cars which were going round here at the 10 o'clock qualifying session have stopped going round at the moment. What's well, a disappointment, because I was going to record some of the sound of the cars. It's the sound of a helicopter instead. Let me paint the scene for you like a good broadcaster, filling. I'm standing on a raised bank, directly in front of me, the Porsche Curves. And here comes a car off the street now. What's this? Hang on, quite quiet. That was a Porsche 911 RSR. As uh, someone, once, someone said to me the other day, yes, they've admitted defeat. Finally turned a Porsche 911 into a mid-engine car instead of a rear-engine car by moving the gearbox to the other side of the engine. I've been listening to the new Gibson-powered LMP2s. What's this coming around here now? Hang on. Aston. And one of the Ferraris. And that's Tracy Crone's Ferrari going by. Very quietly, actually, that. Don't think he was going through the sort of pace of the previous Ferrari. Listen to the LMP2, the Gibsons the engines that they've got. They sound good. That's it. That's one of the uh, golf, that's the golf race. That was a Ford. That was a Ford GT, followed by the Rebellion or the Vaillant Rebellion, as it's known now. And there goes one of the DGM Mori Porsches. Oh, I can do with a pint of DGM. Toyotas sounding very different to each other then going by and that's the third Toyota all sounding very different so clearly they're not pegging it at the moment they're just getting the laps in and getting themselves ready for when it counts two more cars coming through tell you what that was belching its way round the track on the base as ever the Corvettes another one of the G-Drive cars I am fascinated by LMP2 this year possibly for the first time ever I've always been interested in LMP1 of course always been interested in the GT cars but LMP2 this year seems to have a resurgence in focus I'm going to walk away from the cars back down to the campsite where Zog and Stevie are enjoying the end of the curry that I brought with us as you know I make a homemade curry freezes by the time we arrive it's defrosted heat it up perfect homemade curry which is great if you're a vegetarian like me but if you want to come to Le Mans and want to do what we do and come to the travel destinations campsite you don't need to bring food with you there is a very good 
sort of cafe bar area here that do lots of good food um, not always vegetarian which is why I like to bring some stuff here's Stevie making friends with fellow campers you making friends Stevie yeah yeah yes gentleman recognize you from uh... no it's not me it's someone else <laughs> he's better looking than me <laughs> can't go anywhere these days how are you enjoying it, gentlemen? Where have you come from? Can I come in? Can I come over there? These are our neighbours. People coming in. What's your name, sir? My name's Tim. That's Brother Tim. Vince. You're Tim? I'm Tim. Brother Vince. Hello, Vince. Jack. Hello, we've got another fellow here, Bob. Nice to meet you, sir. Can I come and sit down with you? Yeah. Where have you come from today? Uh, Portsmouth. So that's pretty handy for you. That's uh, yeah, little ferries just around the corner. Yeah, very handy. Well, these guys live at Portsmouth, and uh, I come from Basingstoke, so I've travelled down. Yeah, but uh, it's the first time I've been here. No, it's your first race. Yeah, these guys have been here. What kept you? Why haven't you come here before? Uh, I've just been sort of going to other places. Okay, you know, we go to Silverstone, drag racing. Yeah, but these guys have been here. How many times have you been here, Jack? Two thousand four. Since two thousand four, every year. It's like that. It's a habit, isn't it? It becomes when, when addictive. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. Until then, I couldn't do it because I had a job and you didn't know when you was going to get time off. So yeah. I retired in 2001, so I could go every year then. This is a good way to enjoy your retirement. I've yeah. stolen your chair, sir. Come and sit down. I like it here. You've got a nice barbecue going. It's toasty here. Very civilised. We're going to be dry this weekend. It's not going to rain, apparently. It's going to be dry all the way through. We'll see. So who are you supporting? I'll just come along and watch all the racing. Here for the crack. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good excuse. Yeah. I support everyone. I support the winner. Whoever wins, he's the guy. I always said he was going to win. <laughs> Fellas, I'll see you later. Aston Martin. He's wearing an Aston Martin shirt. But you haven't come in an Aston Martin. What have you come in? I bought that. What? 2004 I bought the shirt. It's looking well, sir. Yeah, you haven't washed the colour out of it. <laughs> I haven't washed it. <laughs> you haven't washed it? I thought I could smell something. I thought it was the sewers. See you later, boys. Nice to meet you. Fantastic. The vibe's great, isn't it, Stevie? It's just delightful. It's yeah. just it's lovely people everywhere you go. And they're all here with one purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a cult, isn't it? It's it like, is. we've come here to praise the gods of motorsports. Yeah, but it's so inclusive. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah. Know, it's yeah. like, it's fine. You come here for the first time. You don't know anything about cars, like me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is your third Le Mans, now. It is. You still don't know anything about cars. <laughs> <laughs> but you know about Le Mans. You know how to do Le Mans. And I, yes, I, today I learned about Pit 56. Garage 56. Oh, damn it. Close. I was close, yes. There's close. no Garage 56 car this year. It really isn't. Yeah, as far as I can tell. And the rumours are that next year it's going to be let's an EV. One. Yeah, we should. Should we enter our Jaguar? Yeah. Garage 56. Under what category? Actually, in terms of Red. fuel economy... Yeah, we'd win. Yeah, I think we've probably done very well. It's certainly... I would say it's probably going to get in excess of... 35, 40 miles because we didn't really thrash it on the way here. We were very sensible. Very we? we didn't want to get any tickets. Yeah. You enjoyed driving it? Oh. Oh. <laughs> I didn't want to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a good journey in. What What happened this year? Why was it so easy? Like, I still can't work it out. We're at the tents up. We've eaten. We've drunk two bottles of cider and it's still light. I know. We got in early. That's what happened. It, and we stopped twice to buy the bits we needed and the booze. Yeah, it's nice to put your tent up when it's still light. That makes a big difference, doesn't it? And not raining. Yeah, and it's not going to rain all weekend. I shouldn't have said that now, should I? I don't know. I don't really like the rain, but I do like the excitement it generates. Again, <laughs> uncertainty. <laughs> do you know what Zog says about me and camping and rain? He says, the thing about you that really annoys me, Gareth, is when it rains, you see it as a challenge. <laughs> but it is. Well, certainly for those guys. For the camping, no, I could do without the rain. Yeah. But for the cars, I don't know. Yeah, it adds a bit of spice when it's raining. There's that element of, you know, one of the lead cars will make a mistake when it's wet and go out. Exactly. And that gives someone else a chance, but doesn't it? it? Talk about different challenges, though, from the heat, and, and particularly for the tyres. It was We were just listening to on the radio was just saying about the temperatures are going to create real problems for the tyres. So yeah. that's a different... 
No two Le Mans is ever the same. No two Le Mans are ever the same. Are ever the same. Let me get me grammar right. English, yeah. third language for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, if it's cold, it offers problems. If it's hot, it offers problems. If it's wet, it offers problems. Yeah. Well, you've got it's 24 hours, so there's going to be problems. So yeah, something, something's going to happen. And you guys are going to hear all about it. Right, time for another cider, do you think? Always. Couldn't resist it. One more glass of cider, fine French cider, Breton cider. And we've come back up to sit on the ridge overlooking the Porsche curves again. The campsite is full, as it always is, so full that there wasn't actually room in the space that we were allocated for our tent and the big jag. So we've moved the jag just a little bit up the way to park next to some very nice Aston Martins and I have to say that the people who space we are borrowing to park our Jag in were very very friendly and nice and very happy about having our car next to them the spirit here is very good I was just a minute ago meeting two chaps from America who have come to Le Mans for the first time and rather like Stevie on his first trip two years ago now were completely wide-eyed they were agog, mouth open, eyes absolutely couldn't be open anymore, absorbing every detail, taking photos, every car that comes past. That's great. The sun has come down. It is dark now. The floodlights have come on and it's a little more difficult to identify the cars. You do get a chance, of course, because... As you know, the rules say that you have to have the numbers on the cars illuminated and there are LEDs on the side that tell you which car is first, second or third in its class. Actually, two cars have just gone by without their numbers illuminated. I would imagine that the ACO will have something to say about that. Sog's listening to the commentary. Sog, you're listening to the commentary at the moment. I am, yes. Any news on lap records? Has the speed's gone up now that it's cooler? I haven't heard that times are quicker, but Toyota are still quickest. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Which doesn't make you terribly happy as a Porsche fan. Yeah, I am a big Porsche fan, but Toyota did everything they uh, needed to do to win last year. It was awfully cool that they didn't actually get the win in the record after doing everything right and being, you know, cruelly robbed at the last minute yeah. uh, I wouldn't have a problem at all with Toyota beating yeah. at this race, I really wouldn't Yeah, I was musing on this and part of me thinks that Toyota deserve to win this race this year but having said that well, having said, yeah, having said that anyone who wins whoever, it deserves whoever to win it whoever the line first after over hours is the one that deserves to win it yeah. it's such a challenge it's not easy is it yeah it's cruel and it can be anything but fair even though that car wasn't even classified you know everybody that watched the race everybody that was here remembers that as yeah. and it's part of the drama a race winning drive yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's what it was it was yeah. a race winning drive that just happened not to end up with an not actual to win, win you know, for, <laughs> yeah. for a particular set of circumstances that achievement is never going to go away. Um, yeah, that said, I'm sure Toyota want the trophy. Yeah. To uh, oh, they've been trying for what thirty to stick years. Stick on the shelf back at home, and yeah. let's hope they get it. Whether you know, yep. whether it's this year or another year, let's hope they get it. Yep. I was just musing a little few moments ago about how the LMP2 race this year is particularly interesting because everyone's got the same engine now. There are four different chassis but it's slightly more standardised and I don't like that in motorsport I like the variation I like everyone to arrive at the racetrack with a different set of technology and prove that that's the right one but LMP2 was a little lost for me but the changes that they've made in the last 12 months have made the LMP2 cars quicker on the straight than the LMP1s yeah, and I was wondering about this, because I, I, I couldn't help thinking if the LMP2s are going to be 
quicker at some points of the circuit than the LMP1 cars. Clearly you could get P2 cars repassing P1 cars, but not for position. And in a sense, just been, you know, uh, more overtaking, you know, in a race that has an awful lot of overtaking, some of which isn't done quite strongly enough and leads to accidents as a result. Yeah. Um, we all like overtaking, but, but overtaking for position. Yeah. Overtaking is just creating more overtaking moves, which maybe create more potential for, uh, for accidents. I just wonder whether that's uh, an entirely good thing or not. Well, it adds to the complexity of the racing, where the LMP2 cars and the LMP1 cars both have to watch each other now. Previously, it was the LMP2 cars who had to get out of the way of the LMP1s. Now, the LMP1s are going to have to May manage have to... a bit better, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a more complicated business. Yes, but it's good to see that at least in motorsport, the USA is presenting is presenting a good and beautiful face to the world. You know those yeah. uh, those Ford, Ford GTs and the Corvettes look and sound fantastic. I've just realised something. There isn't a single car running this year without a lid. There are no open top cars at all. All the LMP2s are now covered. Even last year we still had open top LMP2s. Every single car has got a roof on it this year. And it's a hot year. Oh, yeah. As far as I'm aware, there's no rain forecast. It's been a lovely sunny day today. It's going to be hot all weekend. Uh, Let's hope the air conditioning's working in all those cars. Well, we've had occasions in the past I remember one of the Peugeots was pulled in a few years ago because the yeah, temperature in the cockpit too, yeah, was too right, high that's right yeah. yeah and there are limits on the operating temperature for the drivers yeah, yeah. and what they did with the LMP2 cars was cover the roofs I believe of the Peugeots with a sort of a, a reflective mylar film which stopped any heat from the sunlight from intruding it bounced it back whether the LMP2s have got that sort of technology remains to be seen well that, I would say that's a pretty low bar in terms of technology you know a bit of silver foil to reflect the sun yeah we can all do that hey it worked for the Apollo space program on the moon quite well didn't it? gold foil yeah it's not what you're talking about it was gold foil on the astronauts visors yeah and uh, yeah there was, there was gold foil on the a lot dis- of components yeah on the um, descent stage of the lunar lander as well was covered in gold foil wasn't yeah. it the whole lower part of that vehicle but hey, here we are. Yeah, 50 years later. Well, hang on, not 50. It's 50 years in two years, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And now motorsport is using that technology. It always has, though, hasn't it? There have always been components wrapped in gold stuff. Yeah, it's, a, it's a remarkable material. And what a remarkable event this is to be at. Now, I said that I was going to do something different this year that we've never done at Le Mans before and that's going to be what we're going to do in the next part of this programme after this short break. the sound of engines revving in the background uh, I'm not sure what that is someone trying to get some power into their recharging device I think because there's no running on the circuit at the moment because it's the morning after the night before now hello I said there'd be a little break between the last bit and this and that break has been probably about 12 hours now it's quarter past one lunchtime on Friday no running today it's the day of the driver's parade and we're enjoying a morning we've enjoyed a morning at the campsite in the sunshine preparing for this bit which is something we've not done before on Gareth Jones speed i thought it'd be worth doing at le mans and that is to pick a year from le mans 85 they missed a few years for the odd world war or two yes rain stop play actually rain never stops play but war does here yes and austerity i think at some point as well stopped racing here i could be wrong on that you'll know more than me so i've tasked 
Stevie and Zog, and I've chosen a year as well to do a brief presentation, just a look back at the rich history of the world's greatest motor race. And going first, because he drew the short straw, Mr. Paul Ierson, Zog to you and me. Zog, what year have you chosen? I have chosen 1979. Why? Well, quite apart from the fact that during the 1979 race, the UK's number one single was Sunday Girl by Blondie. <laughs> I know how much you like Blondie. Which, let's face it, you know, as number one singles to be up there in the charts, during the long 24 hours, it's absolutely one of the best, possibly the best. I haven't actually crunched the numbers on that, but I think we can safely say that's definitely a podium for best number one during the more. But the final result of the race, the slightly surprised result of the race, was a very satisfying one and a great bit of history. Now, going into the race, the picture was that the cars that most people would have expected to win were the Porsche 936s who were heading up the Group 6 category, which is effectively the equivalent of the prototypes today. Yep. LMP1 today, Group 6 then, in as much as you can make these uh, comparisons. The two Porsche 936s, one of them driven by Jackie X and Brian Redman, the other by Bob Wallach and I forget who the other driver was actually. No, I should have written that down, never mind. It's okay. They were first and second, heading up Group 6 field that included a couple of Mirages, Rondos. I think it was the first appearance by the Japanese Dome Oh, really? Dome team. There was, right. a, there was a Dome in the race. And then in the sort of equivalent of GT-ish category, which was Group 5 in 1979, there were a load of Porsche 935s, which were really quite quick. And in qualifying, the fastest of them were surprisingly close to the front of the field as the race got underway Jackie X streaks away in the 936 the other 936 behind him and things fall into more or less the order you'd expect but in the early stages of the race trouble starts to hit all of the group 6 contenders all of them pretty much X's car had trouble had to change the rear wheels and do some fiddling about because they were fouling the brake calipers lost some time because of that the second 936 had engine trouble lost about an hour having that seen too then the Mirage that had taken the lead had a problem the X car then being driven by Redman had a blowout lost about 80 minutes being repaired as a result of the spin that followed and so quite early on in the race the leading group 5 car which was entered by Kramer Racing, Cologne based team, they'd done a lot of work on this 935 and it was notably quicker than the other 935s and they'd come up with this famous bit of clever bodywork for the car taking advantage of the loophole in the rules to make a more aerodynamic, quicker car than really had been intended they were in second place behind the then leading Mirage when rain hits and there's a lot of rain and the leading Mirage spins out. So in the 15th hour of the race the Kramer Porsche has taken over the lead but in second place interestingly enough at this point there is a car that is co-driven by Paul Newman film star of the era along with Dick Barber and Rolf Stommelen. And Newman was pretty handy. We see Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. We got to know him as an actor. Actually, turns out he's not a bad racing driver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now team owner. And now team owner, yeah. yeah. A similar trajectory to Newman. So going through the night, the Kramer Porsche and the Newman Porsche, the Dick Barber Newman Porsche, are first and second. But those two cars did not have trouble-free runs themselves. In fact, the Kramer car, when it was way out in the lead, I mean, it was something like a 15 lap lead had a problem with the fuel injector pump which stopped the car out on the circuit um, and the uh, the driver spent a long time trying to get a belt back on the engine so it would drive the injector belt so it could get back to the pits eventually made it back with a lead cut to three laps when they got back out after having got back to the pits repaired back out again And the Newman car, the Dick Barber Newman car, could well have taken over the lead had they not had their own problems. They, they, uh, I think, hold a piston with about 20 minutes to go and rather cleverly stopped the car just before the start-finish line and waited 20 minutes for the chequered flag to come out and then limped the last lap and knew that the car 
wasn't going to be able to make it many more miles. Yeah. So they'd stopped just for the end, waited for the checkered flag to come out, and as a result secured second place with the Kramer Porsche in first place. So a GT car, rather than a prototype, won the race. Oh. Paul Newman nearly won the race, actually came second. Oh. That would have been quite a race to be at, I think. Oh, yeah, correct, yeah. I mean, it's got all the elements of Le Mans, hasn't it? The weather interfering. Driver heroics out on the circuit trying to repair the car. And a great name, Paul Newman Racing. I mean, no wonder you chose it. I know you like the movies. I know you like Newman. Uh, well, I know you like Porsche. I'm not surprised you chose 79, and it wasn't really because of Blondie, well, was Butch it? Butch Cassidy and the Sunlots Kid is one of those almost perfect movies. It would only be perfect if it had a motor car in it. Zog, fantastic. Zog's nominated year, 1979. Another superb year. Follow on. Good choice. Okay, we'll be back in a second with Stevie Sackin's choice of year. What's it going to be and why? This is the Gareth Jones on Speed coverage of the 2017 Le Mans 24 Hours, but you knew that already. This isn't a radio station that you've casually bumped into as you're tuning the dial, so I don't know why I need to say that. We're doing a thing where we choose a year and talk about it, a year in Le Mans' rich history. Stevie, your history at Le Mans only extends to the last three years in terms of attending it. So digging back deep into the rich history must have been a revelation for you. It was a lot of fun. I mean, there's so many years to choose from. We've just said, you know, it goes back a long way. So I was looking back at at all sorts of different years, and I decided upon 1991. Why? Mazda. Because you used to drive a Mazda. Before you got your Mercedes R-Class, you had a Mazda, what do they call it, MPV? MPV, yeah. yeah. A dramatic and unique year. I know that much, 1991. Go on, tell us a story. Absolutely. So, 1991. So, Mazda were driving this. There's lots of good things about this. I think my favourite thing is the fact that this was a rotary engine. Yeah, a unique moment in the history. Absolutely. It was a very important year because in 1992 they were going to be banned so this was the last chance well i think they've since reintroduced them but at the time this was the last chance they were going to get to race with a rotary engine tried in 1990 with the 787 which was not such a successful year so they came back in 91 having redesigned it chassis by nigel stroud in the uk they then shipped the tub all the way back to Mazda speed in tokyo where it was built they had a r 26B rotary engine with 9,000 RPM, wow. 700 brake horsepower, which they actually limited. They limited it to 8,500 RPM and 650 BPH for reliability. They knew that the car, you know, the engine, wasn't as fast as some of the other competitors in the race, so they were looking for reliability, which, again, is one of the rotary's great strengths. Reliability? reliability. No, I disagree reliability. with that. Well, Are they fragile, aren't they? The number of moving parts. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sort of yeah. basic engineering. If you have a fewer moving parts, fewer things to go wrong. Correct. I mean, you know. um, theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> theoretically. They knew they couldn't compete for outright pace, but they could compete on reliability. It was a strange year because the push with engines was for the 3.5-litre F1-based engines. And some of the teams were running those, and they were given a, a sort of a weird advantage in the grid because the qualifying was ignored and the 3.5-litre F1 engines were put to the front of the grid. So the main competitors, I suppose, what were they? Jaguar, Mercedes Sauber, Toyota, Peugeot. What else have I got? These were what, Jaguar XJ14s? XJR12s. 12s, that year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Tom Walkinshaw. That's right, Tom Walkinshaw Racing did. Peugeot's were running with the 3.5 litre engines. Jaguar and Mercedes were not. They were running with the previous year's engines. And as a result, they were given a 100 kilo weight penalty, Ah. which was quite key. The weight was important because Mazda somehow convinced the authorities to only a weight restriction, minimum weight of 830 kilos. So again, they had a good weight advantage over some of the other competitors. I think they were given a fuel advantage as well. Were they allowed a larger fuel tank because they had a rotary engine or they were allowed a fuel limit, a larger fuel limit in terms of how much they used per lap or hour? Is that right? That's right. And so the Mazda team decided that they would set a kind of a target number of laps to go for and if they could get to 367 laps they thought that they would probably win the race right. so that was their time ah right it was interesting because last night we were having a conversation about drivers driving to a program you have a target exactly. lap speed and there's a good example of exactly. that exactly it was perfect anyway 
the race started the Peugeots flew off into the lead and broke down pretty soon I think almost as expected the engine technology was not designed for endurance racing Correct. and so using these F1 based engines there was always going to likely to be reliability issues and sure enough the Peugeots broke pretty soon the Mercedes were then looking very dominant they were one two three after a quarter of the race Jaguars were doing okay but they were apparently hard to drive because of their weight penalty four o'clock in the morning the first Mercedes hit debris big delay as it was repaired in the pits then second mercedes had a transmission problem again lots of problems took a long time to fix it third mercedes was still out still ahead 12 o'clock on the sunday lunchtime about three hours from the end of the race mercedes ahead the alternator mount broke damaged the water pump so it overheated which at that point johnny herbert was then in the lead um, in the 55 uh, Mazda 787B, which he held on to until the end of the race. He actually missed the... The podium celebrations. The podium celebrations. So there were only... was a Gasho and Weidler on the podium at the end. Yeah, he was dehydrated and exhausted. He literally couldn't stand up. I say literally, he couldn't couldn't stand stand up. up, Although I read somewhere that he said that this was due to some dodgy spaghetti he had before (laughs) his last race. (laughs) Whether or not that is true or not. But anyway, the Mazda won, the Jaguars were second, third and fourth, and they completed 362 laps, so five laps short of the target fantastic amazing I heard that car run I was sitting about I don't know, 20 feet away from where I'm sitting right now a few years ago when they celebrated the anniversary of that win Johnny did some demonstration laps around the circuit in the 787 in that glorious orange and green that it raced in what a good looking car and it sings if you've never heard that rotary engine at full chat it sings it sounds to me like a motorcycle engine that's a beautiful beautiful excellent choice of year quick thought about that reliability thing because as you sort of suggested with your reaction the Mazda rotary engines often don't have the best reputation for reliability that's true but that's because of the road cars yeah and the early road cars in fact not the properly developed road cars and quite apart from there's obviously a difference between an engine that's fully developed and one that's still having a few bugs ironed out there's also a big difference between what's acceptable reliability or good reliability for a road car and what's good reliability for a race car and with a race car it's perfectly okay to have an engine that runs absolutely reliably for 5,000 miles yeah, yeah. You know, and then you know you're going to have to completely rebuild it yeah. that's fine because yeah rotary engine fewer moving parts on the whole that's going to be simpler but there's this critical thing with those rotary engines that has to do with the seal of the rotor in the whatever you call the thing that the rotor is moving within the block yeah. basically and it's the wearing out of the seals that is usually the problem Yeah. now and I guess this is the kind of thing where it's probably relatively very easy to make a seal that's going to last the length of a 24-hour race that seal that is brilliant in a 24-hour race may be useless in a road car because after six months everyone's engines need rebuilding and that's no good the problem with rotary engines is they had something called chatter marks as the rotor rotates in the cylinder it doesn't rotate evenly and it creates high points and low points so you lose your compression seal between the three elements of the rotor but that must be a mismatching of the it's where yeah but what i mean is that if it's perfectly set up the wear is going to be even you'll mm-hmm. have even wear all around that shape therefore you won't get any little dings or you know i think it comes from the bearings at the center which where you know with vibration with left and right hand turns you get the rotor spinning in the cylinder and right. you, it swings just enough not very much but just enough to create a weak and low point because it's rotation rather than vertical which is much easier to manage in a car going left and right oh, and yeah, the, so, yeah, the yeah. solution i believe was teflon they use teflon on the tips of the seals of the rotor which is a bit more flexible and will fill any gaps which appear and that's how they solve the chatter mark problem i think that's right i'm not a rotary engine expert but from what i've mm. gleaned over the years that's it fascinating all right what's my choice well give me a second to prepare and i'll tell you Okay, Gareth, you're up. Which year have you chosen? 
I've chosen 1995. I'm not sure what was number one in June 1995, like you knew. I could probably work it out. But the reason I've chosen it will become apparent at the end, I hope. It was an interesting year for two massive reasons. First was the weather. It was one of the wettest Le Mans ever. It rained for 17 of the 24 hours and then there were continual showers for another four hours so there wasn't very much dry running and it was a combination of the weather and the rules of that year which allowed a unique win Stevie chose a unique win. I've chosen a unique win as well. If you know Le Mans history, you'll know what was unique about 1985. If you don't know, let me tell you. As you know, the rules to which Le Mans is run every year alters every year, depending on the formula that they employ. And the ACO that year had a very good relationship with IMSA, who regulates sports car racing in the United States of America. So cars which raced in the IMSA series were eligible to race at Le Mans and they're very different cars to the sort of cars traditionally run here which are essentially sports prototypes very often but not always so if I go down the categories I can tell you the cars that were racing LM World Sports Car Championship which is the equivalent of LMP1 prototypes with 4 litre or 3 litre turbo engines rev limited to 8500 rpm 2 valve V8s and that was in 1995 or four valve v12s lmp2 cars were weight limited to 620 kilograms production engines narrower tires with 12 inch tires and then the gt categories were split into gt1 100 litre fuel tank a minimum weight 900 kilograms maximum tire width of 14 inches and LM GT2, so it was long before we had pro and am minimum weight 900 kilos maximum tire width 12 inches so they were controlling the speeds of the gt cars by the width of the tires interestingly the previous year's one-off model rule which porsche had exploited with their gt1 was still in place so this was a hybrid year we had world sports car and gt1 cars still running gt2 cars had to be based on production cars of course as they are today but there were also some interesting sports prototypes the ferrari 333 sp was still running one of my favorite favorite Le Mans cars ever and the Japanese were here in the GT classes there were Toyota Supras Nissan GTRs and the Honda NSX I mean that's a good year for sports cars that's a very very rich field the fastest cars in qualifying were the WR prototypes they were actually running in LMP2 and they got pole and second place I think but when the race played out the weather took those out also running was Mario Andretti Mario had won Formula 1 and many other sports car races but never won at Le Mans and this he reckoned was his last chance to win Le Mans and he was in a Courage C34 with a Porsche engine but unfortunately regardless of his experience I think this was at the Ford chicane. Andretti, who was as fast as anyone in the race, hit the wall, took off the rear wing, managed to get the car back to the pits, but lost his unassailable lead. And the combination of the weather taking out the WR Peugeots, they had windscreen problems, both of them. I'm not sure what that means right now, but the cars which were expected to win didn't win, which meant that the six McLarens that were running in the race the McLaren F1 GTR which had done amazingly well in the American sports car series that year inherited the lead of the race and of the six cars it was the most unexpected of those six GTRs which actually won the race it was the Lanzanti Motorsport Kokusai Kaihatsu Racing car Lanzanti had been involved in the development of the car and they were sort of almost like a last minute entry they actually ran the T car the prototype development car that famous black McLaren F1 GTR won the race with an amazing team of drivers Mansori Sekiaya who is a Japanese driver of course because of the sponsors JJ Leto first win by a Finn 
at Le Mans and I love the Finns and Yannick Dalmas and they all put in incredible lap times matching the other McLarens in the race Andy Wallace Derek Bell and Justin Bell who finished third in the other McLaren F1 GTR the McLaren also finished fourth with Mark Blundell Ray Belm and Maurizio Sando Sala and yet another McLaren finished fifth Fabien Giraud Jean-Denis Deletraz and Oliver Grouillard and another McLaren finished in 13th and the other two McLarens the other McLaren run by David Price Racing in partnership with West Competition didn't finish but were classified 30th other cars running that year included the XJ220 wouldn't you like to see the Jaguar XJ220 racing here so I chose that for two reasons it was a very very rich year in terms of the range of cars which ran and as far as I know and correct me if I'm wrong this was the last time the Le Mans 24 hours was won by a car that you could buy and run on the road the McLaren F1 wasn't run by a dedicated sports prototype so 1995 will go down in history as possibly the wettest Le Mans ever but the last one to be won by a class other than a dedicated racing car and also I think I'm right in saying that that was the first year that the McLaren F1 GTRs were running at Le Mans which makes it also unique probably unique the thing is they weren't run by McLaren the team wasn't McLaren the car was a McLaren but they weren't running so it's possibly the only time that a car has won in its first appearance at Le Mans. At its debut, I think um, you're right, yeah. I can't think of another. Also, the McLaren F1 race car yep. was slower in a straight line than the yes. street car. Because of the, because uh, of the wing. aero. Yeah. The aero kit that you put and, on it to make it and work better as a race car. Yeah takes a bit off the top speed so actually the road car was quicker and how neat is that yeah and because the rules and regulations had to run to the air restrictor size limited the amount of power that they could extract out of this engine for racing which was a BMW Mm. V12 of course and it only produced 7 brake horsepower more than the road car (laughs) and won the race now my main reason for choosing it was that unique achievement and finally because I've been taking the mick out of McLaren recently because they've had a dreadful dreadful last three years but let's not forget that McLaren are great because if you can win Le Mans you are phenomenal even if it wasn't run by McLaren it was a McLaren car right that's it for this massive edition of the first of our I think four editions from Le Mans this year so from Stevie Sackin bye bye from Zog goodbye and from me Gareth see ya for some more Le Mans fun and can someone have a word with that jabber naught up there that magpie cackling away see ya to send us an email see pictures get song lyrics join our Facebook fan site follow us on Twitter or to find out about sponsorship opportunities go to garethjones.tv Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed (laughs) 